Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's celebration. Today, we're launching into a new challenge, which is entitled, We Can Shape Our Future. And I'm inviting you to join into this today, not just to listen to it, but actually to embrace it, to put it into practice, to be ready for a bit of hard work and spiritual exercise, because you are called to something far greater than what you can even begin to imagine. I was reading a story recently about a man called Jay Spates. He's an African-American man. His father was always passionate about him looking into their history and finding their roots. And his dad did it and his dad was urging him to do it. And then his father passed away and he said he felt compelled to continue this work that his father had started. So he starts to look into their roots. And as he does, he starts to discover that he may be related to, uh, descended from royal family in a country called Benin in in Africa. And uh, it's a long journey, but eventually he receives a letter from the Queen of Benin saying, Dear Prince, please come home. We are waiting for you. And so he goes to Benin. He arrives. There's a massive celebration. People waiting uh, at the airport to welcome him, clapping, cheering. The next morning, uh, there's a servant at the door saying, the queen has delivered these new clothes for you. They give him a new name. He has a whole new identity because he's actually a descendant of the royal family. And as he flies home, he says he feels like he's done the work that his father asked him to do. It's a pretty profound story. Imagine finding out that you are actually royal. And this, to me, is key for understanding prayer. At this stage, you might think, what has this got to do with prayer or how we're going to change the world? And I want to suggest that to begin with, it's understanding your identity. It's understanding who you are. There's um, a verse in Romans 3.23 that says this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You may have heard that verse. I've been praying a lot recently since we've been in isolation and, and it's sent me searching a lot to understand the best way to lead us as a church, the best way to bring people to know Jesus, how to bring blessing into this city and this region that we're a part of, into our nation, into the countries that we partner with around the world. What are we actually called to do? So I went to sleep the other night um, praying about this and, and just saying to the Lord, please talk to me. It's tell me, give me a vision of the, the next thing that we're called to do. I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt God speaking to me and the word that came to me so clearly was the word dignity. And so I lay there in the middle of the night talking to God about that word. What what was he trying to talk to me about and the rest of us about? And it relates very strongly to this verse, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because it says in uh, Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So it's like this. You and I were created with incredible dignity because we're created in the image of God. We're created to reflect the glory, the beauty, the power and the majesty of God. That is a dignified, amazing human being. And when it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, it means we've lost that dignity. I promise you that any conversation that you've been in where there is a relationship issue, you or the other person will have spoken 
in a less than dignified manner. The way we as human beings operate on this earth is less than dignified. The way we speak about our leaders, the way we speak about neighbours and friends and and other organisations, the way we treat the earth, the way we treat people of different races and different social standing and different intellectual abilities and different um, economic status is less than dignified. And I really believe God is saying, I've called you, I've invited you to, to be restored to that dignified human being that you were created to be. So when Jesus came, he came and he brought us dignity. He um, he came to people who were marginalised, people who had sinned in many, many different ways, people who had got things wrong and he treated people with incredible dignity, not just to leave them there but to, to start to show the way to be raised up to the people that they were called to be from the start. So there's a, a wonderful story where there's Jesus encountering um, people who are about to stone a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And he gives her dignity and he lifts her back up uh, from the ground. He says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And so everyone realises that there's this level playing field, those who are above and those who are below. And he lifts her up to those who were standing above her. And then he says, go and sin no more. So what Jesus has called us to do is not just to say, you're okay in your less than dignified state. He's come to rescue us from the less than dignified state and to restore us into relationship with him and to who we are truly meant to be. We've come to be rescued. So sometimes people don't understand this about salvation. Um, People don't really know what this salvation is. Jesus has saved us from being the people that we were never designed to be the corrupt people, if you like, because all of us are corrupt in some way, just like a file is corrupted on your computer. We're all corrupted in some way because we're not the people that we were called to be. We're not that dignified image of God person that we were actually called to be. Jesus has come to rescue us from that. And so we read in Ephesians 2, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. It's not something you think, well, I was this great, so God saved me. When we think that, we work really, really hard to prove that we're great. It's the people who own, actually, I have fallen short of this glorious image that God created me to be. And deep in my heart, everyone knows that deep in their heart, there is someone that you really want to be. You have this kind of inward identity that you long to be and an outward identity that you try to project and you try to marry the two because you know who you're meant to be. And it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So you originally were created in the image of God and you were created to reflect his glory. But because of sin, we've fallen short of that image that we were created to live in. And what's more, we weren't just created for that for for no purpose. We were created for that to bring God's beauty, God's glory into this world, to defeat powers of darkness, to see um, people restored, to see, uh, as it says in Genesis, to, to rule, but to rule with grace and with dignity and with strength so that the world would be a beautiful place. That is your calling. And it's when you discover that, it's like... um. Jay Spate going back to Africa and discovering that he was actually a prince. And the result of that was he, he thought of his... um the fact that he'd been taken from Africa by slave traders and now in America he's living with 
people who were slaves, the descendants of people who were slaves and the descendants of people who were the slave traders. But from his new elevated position, understanding that he was a prince, he suddenly had a vision when he went back, a vision of reconciliation and of forgiveness because he started to see things differently. Now, this is what I believe God is talking to us about today, that once we see who we really are, once we see that we were created to represent the glory of God, that we see salvation as God raising us up. He's lifting us up higher to do the good works that he planned for us to do long before we were born. So if you think about this today, before you were born, God designed you and he created you not just to exist, but to know him and to serve him and to bring his beauty and his glory into the world in a way that is particular just to you. Today, as we record this, it's Tuesday, and we've just had a staff meeting this morning, and different people have been sharing what they've been doing over the last few weeks. And as I've listened, I've heard people passionate about connect groups, people passionate about pastoral care, people passionate about getting to know new people, people passionate about praying for people and ministering to people in different ways. And it was a really exciting morning as you just listen to the passion on every person's heart. And every one of us is the same. There is a passion in our hearts. There is a longing to bring something beautiful and good into the world. And that is part of your calling as a child, as a royal child in God's kingdom. But to do that, we first have to to be filled with him. We have to be born again so that we can actually become the people that we were called to do. And so just as uh, as Jay went to um, to Africa and he discovered a new identity, this is what happens with you in Christ. It says in um, Colossians 5, sorry, 1 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you start to learn to live in your new identity. You rise up even within yourself and you understand, I'm called to reflect the glory of God. I am a representative of his kingdom here. I've been invested with his power. I am a new creation. Secondly, you put on a new set of dignified clothes. It says in Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So you have a new identity. It's a royal identity. It's one of power. You are invested with the spirit of God to bring his goodness into the world. You you take action to do this. You take action to clothe yourself. You take action to put on, as it says, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You don't live in that less than dignified way any longer. You see who you really are and you rise to that. You rise to your dignified position. It says in Ephesians 2.6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms. So you are now, if you've given your life to Jesus, and this means surrendering totally to Jesus. It doesn't just mean saying, I believe in Jesus, that he was the son of God, that he was raised from the dead. Even that, it's a matter of surrendering your whole life to Jesus and finding your new identity in him. You can't have both. You can have a little bit of you and a little bit of him. It's got to be dying to yourself so that he fills you and you rise to this new dignified position, the one that you were called to be. That's why he came to rescue you out of where you used to be into this new and dignified life. And that's why it says in Romans 3, 22, when it talks about all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you get this into a larger context, this is what it says. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
So what he comes to do for you, because in your undignified state, you are far from righteous. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, he has come to give you through him, through faith in him, his righteousness. So he's restoring you to that dignified position. It's not from anything that you've earned. It's his incredible love for you and his sacrifice for you on the cross. He's giving you his righteousness. So there is no difference now between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned. All of us are on the same level playing field. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. His death on the cross has mean that he now gives you his righteousness and he restores you to the dignity that you once were meant to have. You were meant to have it before you were born. And now he is giving it back to you so that you can live this dignified life that you were called to do in this world. So what does all that have to do with prayer? I was reading um, Oswald Chambers. You may know Oswald Chambers. He's written, he's very famous for his devotional, uh, At My Utmost for His Highest. He was a minister in the late 18th, early 19th century and a man of prayer. And he says this, prayer is not a normal part of the life of the natural man. We hear it said that a person's life will suffer if he doesn't pray, but I question that. What will suffer is the life of the Son of God in him, which is nourished not by food but by prayer. When a person is born again from above, the life of the Son of God is born in him, and he can either starve or nourish that life. Prayer is the way that the life of God in us is nourished. So I'm speaking to you today as someone that Jesus has come to rescue and to save and to restore to that dignified position. And when you totally surrender your life to him, he dwells within you. And prayer, as Oswald Chambers says, is the way a person who was born again from above, the life of the Son of God is born in him and he can either starve or nourish that life. So my first question to all of us today is, the life of the Son of God has filled you. Are you starving that life or are you nourishing that life? Sometimes we think of prayer as being just a list of requests that we bring to God. And I believe God wants to show us that you that it's far more than this. You and I are dignified human beings if we're born again into the life of the kingdom. And as we come in prayer, we starve. We, if we don't come in prayer, we starve that life. If we come in prayer, we nourish that life. And which one are you doing? Are you taking this position that God has given you in his kingdom seriously or are you just using it for just to enjoy your life because you've been called to a very dignified role in the world. Oswald Chambers goes on to say, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and then I change things. Prayer changes me and then I change things. So dignified human being born again into the kingdom of God, what does your day look like? Do you wake up in the morning and realize I'm a son or daughter of the living God and he dwells in me by his Holy Spirit and the very first thing I want to do is to get onto my knees before him and ask that the life of the Spirit would be nourished in me today, that I would hear his voice as I go about during the day, that I would pray for people and bless people, that I would worship him and be a person of great thanksgiving, that deep inside me, I would see myself as someone who is a dignified person in the kingdom of God, not because I earned it, but coming humbly before him, knowing that it's a free gift of his righteousness. 
God is calling us to be that sort of people of prayer. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to learn so much more about what it means to pray as this dignified human being that you were called to be. And that's why the scriptures say, if we truly follow him, we will go from glory to glory. We'll become more and more like him. But it takes you understanding who you are, understanding the price that was paid for you to to become the person that you were called to be, and then surrendering our life, not making a little side thing, not making a little hobby or a little personal thing, surrendering your life so that the Spirit of God can work powerfully in you and through you and bring his joy and his hope and his blessing to the world. We are called to change the world. We're not just called to live nice little lives. We are called to change the world. And it's only going to be through prayer that we get to hear the Spirit of God, that we get to be transformed from the inside out so that we can bring transformation to the world. There is a a movement that started in England called the 24-7 Prayer Movement. It was started by a man named Pete Gregg back in about 2001. And this now has gone right around the world, millions of people involved in 24-7 prayer for our world. Pete, when he first started it, wrote a poem on the first prayer room that they had and someone copied that that poem down and it started to go around the world and one day he got uh, someone sent this poem to him didn't have his name on it and they said that's what you might like this prayer it was his own prayer and since then that prayer has been turned into songs and been translated into different languages had dances put to it and it's a powerful vision statement about what happens when people really pray so I'd we're going to take a look at this video of this uh, this poem that's now being turned into a video. The amazing thing you'll see about this, this poem at the end, it was crowdfunded. So many people got involved to make this video happen because there is a vision happening around the world that's being birthed in people to become people who really pray, who really rise up to become the dignified sons and daughters of God that we were called to be and to lay down our lives for that just as Jesus laid down his life for us. So before we watch this, I'd love to pray for all of us, all of us in our church, all of us who want to join our church, all of us who want to be part of this movement that will start with us and go right around the world to bring God's goodness, his peace, his purity, his holiness and his righteousness into the world. I invite you to join me as we pray. Father, thank you that you came to rescue us, that you sent Jesus into the world so that we would not be left alone. We would not be left as orphans. We would not be left in our undignified state. When we look at the world around us now, Lord, we see the racial tension, the political instability, the mental health issues, the division between people in families and races and nations. We know, Lord, that our world needs help. And so, Father, I pray for us as a church that you would wake us up. Wake us up to see who we are in you and who we're called to be, who we're called to be. Lord, may we be people who surrender our lives totally to you so that your spirit, which fills us, can be made known in this city, in this region, in this nation, and in the world beyond. Thank you, Lord, that you gave everything for us so that we could know you. May we give everything for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 